Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so glad to, to be here in this school. They just started school over this last week or so, and it's a privilege to be here and to worship here. And so we pray for the school every single week that we're here. So before we move into looking at the scripture together, let's pray for Sheridan and pray for God to speak to us as we're here this morning. Pray with me. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we welcome you to this place. We thank you, God, that you are a God of love and that your love is something that transforms and changes us. That, Jesus, you did everything necessary for there to be a clear love relationship between us and God. You tore down the wall between us and God. We're so thankful that your death and your resurrection has done that for us. And so we pray that that would make a difference here in the school. God, that your spirit would be in this place, that teachers and faculty and staff and students would come here and this would be a place that is set apart for them to learn and to grow and to be creative because, God, you are a creative God and you made them to be creative. And I just pray that this would be a place of safety, protect the minds and the hearts of these kids as they begin to learn this year. And we ask that you give energy and strength to the faculty and staff and to the parents of each of these kids. And, God, we pray this morning that you would speak to us, that you would use your word to change something inside of us so that we can leave here different than when we came in. We thank you that you are a God who promises to be with us wherever we go, whether we're here at a worship service or in our, our homes and our workplaces and our schools. God, you are a God who is with us, and we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you are here with us for one of the first few times, you're at the very end of a conversation we've been having, but that's okay. Don't worry about it. It's been a conversation we call Steps of Faith. Steps of Faith. And very simply, we're just talking about how faith, having faith, in God and being able to take steps in our life is just one foot in front of the other. So don't read that and think steps like on a ladder we're trying to get higher towards some sort of like religious superiority. Man, if you've ever tried that, it doesn't go well. It's just about can we take one step in front of the other as we go forward, bringing with us our questions, our doubts, our wonderings, stepping forward in the days and the weeks that are full of joy and anticipation, and also stepping forward one day at a time when there's been pain and disappointment and the many things that happen in between that. And so that's what we've been talking about. And we've actually been focusing on some of the corporate practices that we have together as a community. So we talked about baptism, and we had a baptism this summer. We talked about communion, which we celebrate every Sunday after worship, after the sermon. We talked about being a coming a covenant member here at Mill City. We talked about the practice of confession that happens corporately, but also on your own. And today we're going to talk about something that I think is very important, and that is uh, personal spiritual practices. Personal spiritual practices. So this is kind of like steps of faith in your everyday life, okay? And in a lot of ways, I think that this is a conversation that some people are very familiar with, but then I think if some people were honest, they're not super familiar with it, or if they are, their idea of spiritual practices comes from maybe one or two experiences that they had in life that informed them about what a spiritual practice would be. And wherever you're at on that spectrum, that's totally fine. What I want to say to you today, if you hear anything that I say, it is that if you want to experience growth in your life, then you have to make time for that. And if you want to grow in your relationship with God, if you want to grow even and push through some of the questions you have about God, you have to make time for that in your life. There are so many ways that we experience God just in our, as we go, right? As you're in class, as you're at work, as you're raising your kids, we experience God in all those spaces. It's not only during spiritual practices, but spiritual practices can give us the fuel to step into those other areas of our life, really knowing who God is and who God made us to be. And so that's what we're talking about today. And we're going to do a couple practices together. So nobody freak out. 
They're just going to be on your own here in the room. We're going to have some music. It's going to be not a big deal. Don't freak out. We're not going to make anybody do something super bizarre, all right? Some of you are like, I know, I didn't think that, but if there's one or two of you that thought that, we're good, right? So we're just going to practice a couple things that come from church history. And uh, maybe it's something you've experienced before. Maybe it's brand new. Either way, we're just going to do it together. Because sometimes we talk about things and then we walk away thinking, I wonder what that would be like. Well, let's just do it this morning. So that's what we're going to do. Um, I want to encourage you as we talk about this topic. Uh, some of you come from a background similar to me, which I grew up in the church. And so the idea of spiritual practices, I felt like got reduced to like a couple little tiny things like Devo time, or sometimes people called it quiet time. And... Uh, I just want to encourage you, we need to expand what we think about some of this stuff. We need to realize that even though maybe it represents for some of us like a legalism, like you have to do this to earn God's approval, we need to break that down. Because I'm not sure there's been a more important time, at least in my lifetime, for spiritual practices to be a part of our everyday life. And I say that because we're in a time of so much anxiety. We're in a time where there's so much heightened awareness of division, and there is so much happening all around us. And the way in which we can step forward in that with God and Jesus as our leader is grounding ourselves in these spiritual practices. Not so that we're going through the motions in some sort of rote kind of way, but so that we have something in our life, maybe it's only one thing in our everyday life that remains the same, to keep us grounded and to help us remember that we're okay and we just need to take it one day at a time and that faith is just one step at a time. So we're going to look at a part of Ephesians, which is what we basically, kind of this passage actually that I'm going to read today. It's kind of the foundation of the conversation we've had for the last few weeks of Steps of Faith. Uh, when I was working through kind of putting this series together, which uh, our team did, and I was kind of leading it, and I thought, you know, if there's one place in the Bible that I think really roots us in what we're hoping for this conversation, this is it. So I'm going to read that to you. Um, and it's in Ephesians 3, so if you have a Bible, you can pull it out, uh, starting in verse 14. We'll have it up here on the screen for you. Let me tell you really quickly about what's happening in Ephesians. So Ephesians is a letter written to the church in Ephesus by the Apostle Paul. Paul was an early leader in the early church, and he was writing to them, most scholars think, from prison. Okay, so he's in prison, and he's writing a letter to this church in Ephesus. Now, also something interesting is that many scholars think that not only was this book written, this letter written just for the church in Ephesus, but that Paul had intended for it to be circulated, okay? to the dis different churches that were in different cities all around this part of the world, okay? So he had been a part of some of these church starts. Some of them he'd never visited yet. But he was hoping that this letter would be sent around to all of these different churches. And most signs show that it did happen and that this letter was, was read all over the place. And so you have to imagine that people were gathering around to hear this letter written. Why? Because many people were illiterate. So they weren't able to read it for themselves. Also, it was before the printing press, right? So it's not like this letter was distributed or sent out in any form. People were gathering together to hear what Paul had said from prison to this church, the church in Ephesus, but really I think we could say to the church. And I like to think that if Paul knew that this letter would get circulated so far that it's here at this church today, that he would have the same prayer that he's praying here in this passage for our church, for Mill City Church, today. So let me, let me read this passage for you. Imagine that you're gathered with some people listening to these words that are coming from this leader. And this is what Paul says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I mean, this is a pretty powerful prayer for a guy to be praying for these people who he loves, who he can't, he literally cannot be with because he's in prison, because of his faith and his trying to follow out, live out what Jesus had led him to in his life. I think there's four things that Paul is praying for pretty distinctly here. I just want to point them out. Paul is praying for these people that he loves, the church in Ephesus, but I think the church overall. And the first thing he says is that he's praying that they would have strength in their inner being. Strength in their inner being. And uh, you see that in verse 14 and 16. And what I think so clear is that Paul is praying for this because it's God who gives us strength. And I don't know about you, but there were some times over these last few months where I was so aware of how weak I am on my own. There were some moments where I have never been more sure that I cannot do this without God's strength in my life. And God is the one that gives the strength. And that's why Paul is praying that that strength would be given in your inner being. This idea of at the core of who you are, you would know that you have strength. Maybe not needing to know you have strength for the next 10 days, but for today and for tomorrow and the next day, that God would strengthen you for those things. The second thing I think that uh, Paul is praying that these people would experience is truly receiving God's love. You can't miss that in the passage, can you? That you would be able to grasp how long and wide and high and deep the love of Jesus is for you. And like I said earlier, I think we can experience that on the way. Like as we go in our lives. I know I do. There's moments where I just cannot imagine like how God could love me the way he does. And it's something as simple as something I experience in nature that reminds me of that. It's a song that I hear. It's a piece of poetry. I don't know, whatever it is for you, but there's these moments, isn't there, where you're reminded of God's love? It's not only when you take time to do spiritual practices that you experience that, but Paul is praying that we would experience the full love of God. And then the third thing that I think is in this passage, and the word isn't used, but I really see it there, is growing in trust. Paul wants these, these folks to grow in their trust of God. And I feel like he has some credit to say that he wants them to grow in that while he's in prison. If that guy's telling you to trust God, you need to pay attention. And so he says in a couple different places, in verse 17, he says, Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And then he says uh, in verse 19, to know the love that surpasses knowledge surpasses knowledge, this idea of being able to trust. One of my favorite writers is a woman named Brene Brown. Some of you maybe know her. She's a researcher. She talks about trust a lot, and she says that trust is not something that's built in these grand gestures as much as we like to think it is. It's actually trust between people is built in the everyday small moments that build trust, small moments that, that communicate to somebody else, you can trust me. And I think it's the same way with God. It's not the grand gesture, which some of you have experienced what you would feel like is a grand gesture. God brought healing to a situation. God did something miraculous. But God wants us to grow in trust in the everyday, in these moments of time that might seem insignificant on their own, but as we experience them, we grow in this trust. I think it's the same way in our relationship with God. And spiritual practices, even if it's a short amount of time, create that space for us. And then finally, Paul's saying, I want them to be filled to have a life that feels full. You see that there in the passage. That, that then the opposite of that would be empty, right? 
I have experienced the emptiness at times, right? When you're going through life and it just feels empty. And Paul's hope, Paul's prayer is that there would be a fullness of experience. And so when I read this prayer, I can't help but think, as a pastor, that that is my prayer for all of you. That's my prayer for, for myself and for our community, that we would be strengthened in our inner being, even in those places where we feel so weak on our own, that we would be able to experience the deepest depths of God's love, not just every once in a while, but regularly in our lives, that we would be people who grow in our trust of God. Even if we have questions about God, we're growing in our trust, and that we would be people who live lives that are full, even when everything's not going the way that we would hope in our circumstances, that we have a fullness about how we live. That is my prayer. I was talking to Michelle Brask a couple weeks ago, and she said this very simple statement. If you want something to happen, you're going to need to make space for it. If you want something to happen, you're going to need to make space for it, even if it's just a little bit of space. Right, Michelle? I think it was your friend that said that to you. And if you want these things to happen, we have to make space for it. This isn't about like a guilt trip, like, are you making space? But we're about to go in the fall. We all have calendars. We're all trying to figure out what is our rhythms going to be. This is a perfect time to say to God and to each other, where is the space for us, even in little moments in our day? Maybe it's once a month in a certain way. I, we could exhaust the list of spiritual practices, which we're not going to do today. I will give you a long list if you want one. But at the end of the day, we have to make space. If you want something to happen, if we want these things to happen in our life, we have to make space for it. This church is one that lives out our mission really clearly. We are about being people who love our community in the name of Jesus. And we have stepped into a lot of action because of that. I could not be more proud of all of you and the ways that you live that mission out through missional communities, in your workplaces, in your homes, in your schools. It's fantastic. But there is nothing more important than your relationship with God. I hope that you never hear that this, this encouragement towards action is ever downplaying how crucial it is to be people who step towards God and receive God's love so that it can overflow onto our lives around to the people around us. Otherwise, it's not even worth doing all those things, you guys. If it's not in the name of Jesus because of our relationship with Jesus, it's just not worth it. We'll run out of energy. We'll run out of steam. Jesus has done everything necessary for us to connect with God in these ways, and that is no small thing. He gave everything so that we could have that relationship with the Father. And it's not easy. It's challenging. And so all I want to say to you today is, wherever you're at, what's the next step for you? What's the next thing you can try, the next, next practice you can step into? And so today I want to just do two small practices. We're going to do them in an abbreviated amount of time, just so you get the feel of it, nothing too crazy. And if you got one of these bookmarks when you came in, we're going to be doing, basing it off of this bookmark. So if you have the bookmark, pull it out. If you didn't get one, I think Tim or somebody was going to, going to hand some out. Yeah, grab, grab the bucket, if you will, and come back in here. And if somebody didn't get one, just he'll, he'll let you have one. But you'll see there's two practices. On one side, it says daily examine. And on the other side, it says Lectio Divina. Uh, these are practices that some of you might be familiar with. And if you've never heard of them before, not a big deal. Okay, raise your hand real high if you want one. I mean, they're real nice. So make sure you get one. These guys over here. Yep, we got some. Oh, we're going to bring it over. Okay. Um, and I wanted this to be a bookmark form just so that you can keep it with you and take it with you. But you're going to need it right now because I didn't write all these words up on the screen. So we're going to start with the daily examine, okay? Let me just tell you about this really quickly. So the daily examine is something that has been a part of church practices since the 1500s. A guy named Ignatius Loyola 
He developed some spiritual practices called the spiritual exercises, and out of that developed what we now know is considered a religious order called the Jesuits. And uh, the Jesuits practice this daily exam two times a day, one time at, at noon and one time at the end of their day. And now there's people all over the world that are not just Jesuits that are a part of the Catholic tradition, but people all over the world that practice this as a way to look for what God's doing in their everyday life. If you've been around Mill City, you know we talk about this all the time. What is God doing in your life, and how can you respond? Well, the daily exam is a great way to practice that. And so if you look at it, you'll see there's a few parts here. There's gratitude, grace, review, repent, and resolve. And so right now, we're just going to take a few minutes. We'll have some music playing. Also, on your uh, little sheet that you got when you came in, there is a notebook page. It's not really a notebook page. It's printed. But you can pull this out. It's on the back of your program, uh, the, the sign up for the team thing. So you can write on that if you want to. And what I just want you to do is to go through these parts, and in the section of review, one question, okay? So in the section of review, how many questions? Okay, that was, thank you, Amy. In the section of review, how many questions? Okay, because you don't have that much time, all right? So we're just going to give you a few minutes. Just go through that process and review one of those questions. And if you want to write some stuff down, go for it. And then in just a few minutes, we'll, we'll turn it over, and I'll introduce the next practice, okay? Okay, I know that's not a lot of time. I just wanted you guys to get a little bit taste of it. And now we're going to just do the, the Lectio Divina side. So don't be scared by the name. It's in Latin. It means divine reading. So it's a way in which we're trying to read the Bible and read the scripture and let God speak to us through it, okay? And so you can follow these parts. You'll notice that there's a lot there. So just start and give it a go. And we're going to use the passage that I just read, okay? So we'll put it up here on the screen if you can. And uh, from this passage... We'll just follow along these, this process and just see what it feels like for you to do that. I'm encouraging you just to give it a try and see what it's like. This comes from even earlier. It goes back to the 6th century. Another cool Catholic guy named St. Benedict, who another religious order came from the way of St. Benedict and the Benedictine rule of life. There are so many people all over the world that live out this way of living. People who are Catholic and Protestant now. Uh, live out a Benedictine lifestyle. And so one of the main parts of that way of living is to, to listen to Scripture in this way. So we're going to practice that together. So just go ahead, same thing. We'll just give you a little bit of time, and then I'll bring you back in just a few minutes. I know for some of you that felt like really short, and others that felt really long. And that's okay. We're all really different. I know for me, when I was just doing that daily exam, and I thought about yesterday how I made the decision to rent a kayak and go down the Mississippi River, and even though I fell in the river right away, that was one of the experiences I felt the closest to God in the last 48 hours. And I thought, man, what am I doing to make space to be outside if that's how I feel connected to God? That's what came out of that for me. When we were doing the Lectio Divina, the part about uh, Christ dwelling in your heart stuck out to me. What does it mean for, for Jesus to dwell, to make his home inside my life? That's the question I was left with after doing that. I'm going to invite the band to come back up, and we're going to go into a time of worship. And uh, the song that, that Ashish taught earlier, Reckless Love, is so perfect for us to think about God going to that measure to show God's love to us. Reckless love. What are we going to do in the little ways? Not out of shame, not trying to shame anybody, but I just want to encourage you to say, what would it mean to create that space to re be reminded of God's reckless love for us in our everyday life, in those little moments, whatever you have? We're also going to celebrate communion together, and I think that's so perfect. This, this practice that we practice every week reminds us of God's love. 
of Jesus' sacrifice, his body and blood being broken for us, his body being shed, blood, body being broken for us, his blood being shed. That's a huge reminder for us of that reckless love, but also of the unity that we have coming before the cross together. And reminding us of our identity as sent people who go out into these places with God, with us, in us, through us, to the places that God's called us to. That's what we're doing together. So if you are somebody who professes Jesus as the leader of your life, then you can participate in communion. You don't have to be a member of our church. You just take a little piece of the, the, the actual bread from Israel, you guys. I'm serious. And dip it into the, the, the cup, and then we'll form lines here and go around back to your seat as we celebrate communion together. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that as we practice communion together, the Eucharist, the table, as we come together, we would experience the unity that's found in you and your Holy Spirit, and that you would remind us of your reckless love for us, and that we are sent people who go with you and your love in our lives out into the everyday spaces you've called us to. It's in Jesus' name we pray.